Over the years, I have uh, learned something I consider to be pretty important, and that is that few things are dichotomous. Not much in life is either completely one way or another. Gray reflects the norm far more often than black and white. To say everything in South Chicago is bad or that everything about Aspen is great or that all Democrats or that all Republicans don't have valid viewpoints or that all migrants are bad news or that everyone in the billionaires clubs are selfish or that all people who are not working should be working are absolutely ridiculous statements. A lot of what is wrong in our culture that we are witnessing stems from dichotomous black and white thinking. Well, despite what I just said, I believe there is something that God wants us to treat as black and white, despite how difficult it is. And that is that I believe that God wants us to trust God completely and regardless. Now, trust is a funny thing. When we say to a person, I, 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 I kind of trust you, what we're really saying is, I don't trust you at all. And I believe in general we either trust or we don't trust. And that God's hope for each of us in this life is that we will trust God in the midst of it all, despite it all. Now, although I just said this, I need to be very clear that trusting God can be very, very tough sometimes, at least for me. Especially when life turns south or something troubling happens. When I got a frantic text from our daughter this week that many of her friends go and were at the hangout where 12 people were gunned down in Thousand Oaks, California, trust was not my first thought. Nor was trust my first thought when the very next day she called and said her campus was being evacuated due to the massive brush fires in Southern California. That's her campus on the front cover. Now, I wish that trust had come to mind first when she texted me, but it wasn't. It was, oh my God, our daughter. Well, despite this, in our very real humanness, I believe in this journey of life that God wants us to trust God. Not, not kind of trust, not somewhat trust, not if it happens this way, I will trust, not when I get through this, I will trust, but simply to trust God. Now, is this kind of trust hard? Damn right it is. I would say, in fact, that trust is sometimes the hardest thing imaginable. For example, I know what grief does to trust, especially when the source of grief is due to something that no way should ever happen. Now, my family and I have not suffered from a mass shooting, but we have had to go through plenty of other really ugly stuff. And I've told God where to stick it more than once. And I often say, thank God we have a God who wants us to bring everything to God, even when bad thoughts and words fly out of our mouths. And while trusting God means we believe God has it all covered and God knows what God is doing, there are a few things that trusting God is not about. Trusting God does not deny pain. Trust does not mean we deny reality when a reality is really terrible. Trust does not mean we explain things away or say so much is right in the world that we ignore all that is wrong. Trust does not mean we sit idly by and let bad things happen we can do something about. Trust does not mean we walk away from our obligation to be God's partner in confronting evil 
And trust is not something that we can get on our own or even figure out. You see, I believe that trust is something we need to work out and through with God as trust ultimately comes from God, sometimes through a very long and arduous, painful process. This is why C.S. Lewis one day said, in essence, the fundamental turning point in my life of faith came when I said to God, if you want me to trust you, I cannot get there on my own. You're going to have to give it to me. Trust does not mean we don't have questions, really tough questions, even unanswerable ones. Trust does not mean we sometimes don't doubt. And if you look at stories throughout Scripture, trust often wavers and comes and goes more often than not. If we trust God, it doesn't mean we have it all down or better than those who are struggling mightily with trust. And we do not have to be in a place of trust to be part of Snowmass Chapel. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, trust is not an admission card to be here and cross that bridge. In fact, struggling with trust immediately gets you to the front of the line and in the door. Our reading today is from the first book of Kings. It's here we run into a very interesting character named Elijah. In Scripture, we learn that he was a hairy guy that wore leather. I don't know why so many people in Scripture are so funky looking. I might as well go to a biker bar. When this biker bar prophet Elijah was around, the land of Israel was divided into two parts, the north and the south, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and Elijah lived in the north during a very tough time. And one day Elijah, at God's urging, went to see the king, this bad dude named Ahab. And he was married to a deceitful, cruel witch of a woman named Jezebel. For God's sakes, don't name your children Jezebel. It's just terrible. Anyway, Elijah told Ahab that he was way off base, that he was making God mad as a result of his attitudes and actions, and that God was going to cause a terrible drought to happen. And it did happen. And after Elijah shares the news with King Ahab, God tells Ahab, flee, get out of town, go into the wilderness, sit along this stream, and I'm going to have scavenger birds, ravens, feed you. I can't imagine being fed by ravens. They're kind of disgusting, aren't they? And Elijah does what God asks, and for a while things are okay, but the drought gets so severe the stream dries up. And God then tells Elijah to go to a town named Zarephath where he will find a widow who will feed him. So Elijah goes to Zarephath and to the widow and asks her for food and water and She replies, Elijah, when you arrived, I was in the middle of cooking a meal for my son. It's the last bit of food we have. We're starving to death. And Elijah says, trust God. Don't be afraid. Make me some food. And Elijah then says to her that her food will not run out and her flour and olive oil will be abundant until the drought ends. And for some time, they have plenty to eat. One day, however, the widow's son becomes ill, so sick, in fact, that he dies, and the woman screams out, what have you done to me, man of God? Elijah immediately takes her son, lays the son's body down, stretches out upon him three times. Elijah prays, and the son is brought back to life. And the story ends. So let's explore it a little bit, just for a moment, at some different levels. Elijah, we know, is in real deep trouble. 
He's hiding out at first to avoid King Ahab who wants to kill him and his wife Jezebel. And he's all alone. And we can assume that this was a brutal time for Elijah. But God does what God says he will do. And he feeds Elijah with these dirty scavenger birds, the ravens. And here God uses something very, very unusual and unlikely to care for Elijah. He uses ravens. And after things dry up, Due to the ongoing drought, recall that God tells Elijah to go to a place named Zarephath. And we need to know that Jews at the time did not like people of Zarephath because they worshipped all kinds of things other than God. They worshipped Baal, a god of fertility. And on top of that, Elijah is told not only go to Zarephath, but go to a widow who is a Syrophoenician. And Jews couldn't stand Syrophoenicians at the time. They were enemies. They hated each other. And a widow at the time had no rights at all in that culture. And so in this story, God not only sends Elijah to an unlikely place, but to an unlikely person to help him. And not only that, God tells Elijah to do the really absurd thing of asking the widow for her last bit of food. And then there's the widow. Through Elijah and his words, the widow is asked by God through Elijah's mouth to care for a man. A very unlikely thing for her to do. To give him the last bit of food she has. A ridiculous idea on the surface. And to help Elijah out, a Jew, many of whom had terrible and great animosity towards someone like her. This is an absurd story. It's unlikely. It's ridiculous. It's unexpected. It's out of the box. It's surprising. It's culturally unacceptable. And these words characterize the avenue through which God brings about not only care for Elijah, but also healing, restoration, and a new beginning for the widow and her son. Now, this very ancient story, I think, has a lot to say to us now on this Sunday morning. On the most surface level, the story is one of great hope, that there is healing we can expect to find and receive through God, that God brings about new beginnings, even if it sometimes take a, takes a long, 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 long time for that to happen. The woman loses her husband. She experiences destitution. She's a widow. She and her son nearly starve to death. The woman experiences grief. The son experiences death itself. And after all of these things, from things going from good to bad to worse to horrible to tragic, finally, at that point, a new beginning happens. And it's through this story that you and I are encouraged to keep hope and keep trusting God even when things are bad for sustained periods of time. But I know and you know something. We all know that sometimes something does not get better. We die from the disease. The marriage is not restored. The business is lost regardless of how much time passes. And even though I sometimes struggle mightily when something is not going to get better, it is clear that God still says to us, trust me. Fewer things can be harder. Now to shed a little bit of light on this, I want to give you some adapted excerpts from a writer named Dallas Willard. He takes us in an interesting direction on this point regarding the fact that sometimes things right now don't get better. He writes, once we have grasped 
our situation in life that God can be trusted. The startling disregard Jesus and the New Testament writers have for death suddenly makes sense. We who love and are loved by God are not allowed ever to cease to exist because we are God's treasures. God delights in us and holds on to us. He has prepared for us an individualized work in his vast universe. Anyone who realizes that reality is God's and has seen a little bit of what God can do understands that we can trust God. So as we think of our life and make plans for it, we should not be anticipating going through some terrible event called death to be avoided at all costs, even though it can't be. Immersed in Christ, we may be sure that our life, yes, that familiar one with which we are so well acquainted, will never stop. And as we live now, in our lives now, we should anticipate what we will be doing. I love this part. We should anticipate as we're living our lives now what we will be doing 300 or 1,000 or 10,000 years from now in this universe in the full presence of God. He's trying to, through these words, give us a perspective that where we are now needs to be viewed from the eternal. Now, Dallas's message is not something, is not saying, by the way, if things don't get better, don't worry, you'll die and everything will be fine. That's not what he's saying. Rather, the message is when something in life does not get better, we can still trust God in the midst of it because God is in charge not only now, but eternally. And God invites us to look at our lives not from a 10-year perspective, but from a 1,000-year perspective. And to look at what's happening now in that long view. Trusting God means that we can let go of angst and worry and control and how we live right now and approach life with its joys and sorrows. Trusting God means we don't just think about how things are now, but how God promises things will be across eternity. Still not easy sometimes. But there's more to our story. Remember when we looked at the story of Elijah and the widow that God acted in some very unusual ways? I said God acted through the absurd, the unlikely, the ridiculous, the unexpected, the out of the box, the surprising, the culturally unacceptable. I said that these words characterize the avenues through which God brought about not only care for Elijah, but also the healing, restoration, and new beginnings for the widow and her son. And I think there's something in this for us to pay attention to. I have to wonder, and as I think about my life, I wonder if there have been moments in my life, I wonder if there have been moments in your life in which something tough or difficult was going on and God actually worked through the situation in very unusual, unexpected, even surprising ways that maybe we didn't anticipate or see because of how God was acting in such a strange way. And I wonder if there may be something that you and I are going through now, today, that God may be working through unexpected, unusual, surprising ways. And that this story is an invitation for us to open up to God acting in the unexpected. It's an invitation for us to keep our eyes open to God acting in ways we may not have thought of before. And I also wonder if part of this story tells us that when we need help, 
that God may be inviting us to be open to people, to people that we might not normally turn to. Jews did not like Syrophoenicians. Syrophoenicians did not trust Jews, yet God brought a Jew, Elijah, to help the Syrophoenician widow and her son. Could this be an invitation for each of us to be open in a similar way? Who might be in our orbit right now we would never consider could be God's agent in trying to help us? Now, we all here have issues with different kinds of people. Some of what I mentioned in the following, I don't have any issues with. Some of you do. But could it be that God right now has brought somebody into your life that's trying to help you? Could it be the neighbor that you can't stand that really is God's agent in bringing about healing in your life? Could it be the homeless man on the corner you keep running into that's God's agent to bring about some healing? Could it be that friend that drives you absolutely nuts and ticks you off because of her political views that is actually God's agent that is trying to help you? Maybe you're in a place, I'm not, but maybe you're in a place where you struggle with a gay couple and maybe you're struggling with loving them, but maybe it is that very gay couple in your life that is trying to help you that is working through you and your pain and healing. Who is it in your life right now that may be way out there that could very well be your Elijah or your Syrophoenician widow. And so maybe this story in part is for us to open up to people instead of closing ourselves off to people who are so vastly different than we are. That maybe it is that person precisely who's working through God to try and bring us healing and restoration. Said another way, we need to tear down the walls of divisiveness and open ourselves up to others that are vastly different. I love the song you all sang. The lyrics are great. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could just disappear? Any of you felt that way? High school, middle school sucks. It's so hard. <laughs> you are in the loneliest time of your life, I believe. You feel like you just want to disappear. It, it's too bad it's that way, but it just is. Well, the words go on. We'll let that lonely feeling wash away. Maybe there is a reason to believe you will be okay because when you don't feel strong enough to stand, you can reach, reach out your hand, and someone will come running, and they will take you home when the dark comes crashing through. The story of Elijah is a reminder to you and me that when the dark comes crashing through, that God is there to lead us home. God is there to lead us home. And the person you've never invited into your life because of prejudices and stereotypes might be there to help you make it home too. God can be trusted. I'm still working on it day by day by day. So I'm working on it, and I invite you all too with God's help. Amen.